What do you think of when you think of self? Do you think of yourself as a conductor of your own orchestra? That is a fascinating analogy that we discuss in depth today with our guest as we look a little closer at internal family systems, a treatment modality that is also a way to look at how you perceive your inner self and how you talk to yourself and have internal conversations is definitely a conversation we're sticking around for. Welcome to The Grit Show, Growth on Purpose. The show was named after each and every one of you who's joining us today. We're here on a journey that is giving us a little more ease and a little more room to breathe and to thrive. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez, a creative and a change maker who has transitioned out of a career in nonprofits in the public sector to unleash my creative side and save her life, leading to this podcast and the launch of the Authentic Connections Podcast Network intent on increasing the number of women hosting podcasts to 37% by 2027. 37 by 27. This is our place to come together. Where we have conversations with thought leaders where we may not have all the answers. But we can start seeking better questions. Stick around to the end of today's conversation for a bit of grit wit, something small and actionable to bring into your daily life, because that is how growth happens. One little step at a time. Now, let me tell you a little more about today's guest. Will Halpin is a psychotherapist and public health social worker who has over 20 years of experience working in community health settings and in private practice in Boston. Earlier in his career, he developed programs and a comprehensive curriculum for the Boston Public Health Commission to train healthcare providers, public safety professionals, and child welfare workers across Massachusetts on best practices and working with people struggling with crystal meth abuse and dependence and identifying and safely intervening with those who manufactured it in their homes. Most of his clinical experience has been working with the LGBTQAI community, and specifically with complex developmental trauma and substance abuse. He has been trained in a variety of treatment modalities to offer a multitude of options when working with survivors of trauma, including internal family systems, known as IFS, dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, and eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, EMDR. He's currently training in and studying neurofeedback with plans to offer it as an additional treatment for trauma survivors at his private practice in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. He also enjoys training new therapists who are learning IFS and has worked as a program assistant in level one IFS trainings. When he is not at work, you can find him in the mountains, in a lake, or in the woods enjoying whatever outdoor recreation is available in that particular season. He is someone I think very highly of, especially given the depth and breadth of his background. And I'm so pleased we're able to speak with him in more depth today to learn more about internal family systems. Thank you so much for being here today, Will. It's wonderful to be here with you. I've been very intrigued by internal family systems, Mm -hmm. the little pieces I hear about it. Yeah. The first thing that intrigues me is the name internal family systems, because it doesn't seem to fit once I learn about it, how it's connected. So in your opinion, what is internal family systems? Like, how would you boil it down to make sense to someone who's hearing about it for the first time? So when you think about internal family systems, you know, you have internal, you have family and you have systems, right? So we all have a variety of things going on inside of us at all times, right? Because we're uh-huh. humans, we're complex. So it could be a Saturday and there's a part of you that's like, oh, I really want to go to the gym. I should go be good for me. I need to do this, that, or the other. Another part, it's like, oh, it's been a long week. I just want to lay on the couch. 
And the part's like, come on, just get going. Don't waste time. In like just a matter of a few seconds, you had three different experiences inside. So when we think about IFS, so the internal is these internal voices. And I say voices, I'm not talking multiple personalities or things like schizophrenia, but we have internal dialogues all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the I is internal, then F is the word for family. So family, as you imagine, are a variety of people kind of working together in a unit, sometimes well, sometimes not so well. So in that little example I gave you, we had three different experiences in conflict with one another. So F is in family, as in these competing different voices, different parts, as we say in, in the model, kind of navigating day-to-day life. And then systems as they work as a system, sometimes harmoniously, sometimes not so harmoniously. And so when a person comes in for therapy, clearly there's oftentimes a disharmonious experience inside that they want to address. So I think that's the biggest piece. So it was discovered by somebody who did family systems, like family yes. therapy. And so then you start thinking of family therapy, it gets confused because you're like, what? Yes. But really, it's more like looking at the way you communicate with the different parts of yourself and seeing those different parts as more of a family system, as more of a group to look together. And that's why it's family system. Right. When I often sit down with folks for the first time, I, I talk about IFS as a concept where think about an orchestra. Right? Mm-hmm. You have the conductor mm-hmm. and you have all the members of the orchestra, right? You have the violins, you have the flutes, you have percussion, you have French horns, you have trumpets, you have oboes, you have trombones, the whole bit. And so the goal of an orchestra is that they work together to create harmony and melody. Mm-hmm. So you have a conductor who's sort of guiding that. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to think about is we want our systems to work like an orchestra, right? Where everyone's attuning to the conductor, following the conductor. And at certain points, certain folks are highlighted. Like perhaps there is a point where the violins and the violas are prominent. And so the conductor guides them up and then kind of quiets or kind of softens the French horns or the, the woodwinds or what have you. And so Again, like we're looking at sort of creating a harmonious melody, harmony inside. So again, that's the concept of parts working together well, attuning, listening to each other like a healthy family system. So so sometimes I might need to go to therapy because the fact the drummer just won't stop beating the yes. drum when maybe I just want to listen to flutes a little bit. <laughs> exactly, right? Like people are like, I have anxiety. Anxiety riddles me. So let's get to know your anxiety, right? Your anxiety. How does your anxiety show up? Like, oh, you know, I'm out with friends and we're going out to meet new people. And I have this experience inside where like, they're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm this, they're going to that. The anxiety shows up as this voice that is criticizing them and giving them a hard time. And mm-hmm. we're like, okay, so that is a part. That is one of your members of your internal family system mm-hmm. who may be yelling really loudly or banging the drums, as you say, really, really <laughs> loud when perhaps what you want is more soft winds and <laughs> that kind of thing, right? So, yeah, so we're working in therapy to address parts or members of this family system that are operating what we say in an extreme role, like the drum that's beating way too loud and overpowering the woodwinds or overpowering the strings. So 
I don't think a lot of my listeners realize that I do have a background in clinical social work, yes. and I do, but there are so many different treatments and modalities and my yeah. specialty is with young children. So right. I come to this very open because I never studied it. Yeah. And I definitely just heard things from my friends who work in the field and it's always been intriguing to me. Yeah. And one of the things that has intrigued me about it is this concept about really that you hold the different parts of you and you honor them. And I think that's one thing they feel like I've heard about with IFS, which are internal family systems, people call it IFS. So with IFS, it's this beautiful thing that I love about it, that a lot of times with different therapy modalities, you're trying to fix and change and banish and get rid of. And this whole concept with IFS, it's more like embracing to me and honoring was really exciting. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So one of my trainers told me this, well, told our group this when I was learning a few years back about that IFS is not a deficit model. It's a constraint mm-hmm. model. And what I mean by that is we often think of therapy, I'm going to therapy because I'm missing something. Something's broken, quote unquote. Something's not working, right? This sense of I'm in a deficit. I'm in a broken place. The mm-hmm. therapist is going to, quote unquote, fix me. And what I love about the use of the idea of a constraint model is that Constraint is we remove the constraints that inhibit your natural ability to work harmoniously with yourself. So it's this idea. I mean, you're a social group, like, you know, strengths based is such a huge element. Resiliency theory, that was such a big part of our training and certainly what I loved about our field. And it really embraces that because we're talking about you have these capacities within you. You have the things within you already. And we remove the constraints for optimal functioning. That is so wonderful. Yeah. So this idea of the constraint, I haven't heard that term. That's wonderful. So it really mm-hmm. is about removing the constraints and making somebody optimal functioning, right. optimal life. And that's kind of what this podcast is about, is about yeah. optimal functioning and helping people do that. Right, right, right. And it is sort of bringing this idea that we want to get curious about our experience. So often, like you said, we just banish stuff like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to I don't want to be anxious anymore. I will get rid of it. Certainly I can appreciate the concept. I don't want to be anxious anymore, but instead of judging or banishing our experience, we turn towards it and we wonder what's going on. So I'm curious, like if we go back to that anxiety example that I gave where someone has social anxiety, they're going to meet new people. And there's this voice that says, Oh, they're not going to like me. They're going to think this, this, or this. I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't think that. Right. Like stop that, stop that thought. Right. And there's certainly modalities that talk about things like that. But in this one, which I love is you go, huh, I wonder what that's about. What's going on that there's this part of me that is talking to me in this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my supervisors says, I want you to fall in love with your parts, which I know it sounds so kind of woo and kind of strange, but it is this idea of let me understand, let me get to know what's going on. And there may be more to the story. I think about when, if you're in a work situation and someone's getting really frustrated with you and they're like, and you just keep ignoring them, right? What do you think is going to happen? They may escalate. Or if you have a child, right? And they're like getting upset, the more you probably ignore them, the more they escalate. And as soon as you say, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, let's figure this out. Like, what's going on? Let's sit down. Let's take a breath. Like, what, what's what's going on here? Let's what's figure, behind this? What's behind this? Yeah. And if we do that with these parts in our little family system, we learn a bigger story. And as you might imagine, I mean, not always, but when you're working with a kid or maybe with a, a colleague at work, when you sit down, we'll say, okay, let's sort this out. Like, what's going on behind this frustration, right? That person make okay. So they may they soften. They're not as like, rah, the drum's not beating as loud. 
you ask questions, you get curious, as I say, get curious, not furious. And you may learn a little bit more about what's going on. That person softens as they feel seen and understood and things can start to shift. That's really incredible. Yeah. In different conversations, I've come to understand that isn't there some way of looking at these different parts of you? Yes. I've heard the term protectors. Yes. Can you talk more about these terms sure. these different parts a little bit? Yeah. So we have kind of general categories. And again, nothing's always perfectly clean, but we have protectors. And in the protector category, there are two kinds of protectors. So we have what are called managers mm-hmm. and firefighters. So managers, if you think about a manager, what does a manager do? Like keep things functioning, right? Mm-hmm. And that is what a manager does. Our manager parts are getting us through the day. There are organizing parts. There are, you know, get things done parts. There are efficiency parts. And also, too, that can come along with that are people-pleasing parts or perfectionistic parts or Mm -hmm. really strong, harsh, critical parts that are tough love coaches that are like, get this done, go, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And so those are kind of the day-to-day get you through the things, right? And firefighters operate differently in their protective way. So think about what a firefighter does, right? So a firefighter comes to your house when there's a fire. Do they knock gingerly on the door and say, excuse me, I think there's a fire. May I come in? They bring an apple. They do, right? (laughs) They knock down windows. They break down doors. Like they burst in and they are like, get the fire out. So those protectors operate in our lives as like short-term solution, right? We're not thinking about the beautiful wallpaper in your front room or just get the fire out, right? So like damage whatever you need to to salvage whatever you have to. Correct. So when we think about this kind of protector, these parts show up in ways of like raging parts that yell and scream or parts that maybe want to use alcohol or get drunk or use substances like drugs. And they're more subtle firefighters too that are about just kind of taking things out, right? So like sleepy parts, or if you talk about dissociation, which is a symptom people experience when they have trauma, when it's too much, they start to get soupy and kind of like fade out or sort of feel depersonalized. So these protector parts, both these firefighters, these managers are typically protecting what are called exiles and exiles in the family system are typically parts that contain trauma or original burdens, as we like to say, or wounds. Original burdens. I don't think I've heard that term before. Or burdens. I think that's the term more, but like early on, a lot of like early childhood wounding, you know, different kinds of traumas that people go through. And these exiles carry that. So they are the ones that carry the heat and the pain of the system. Right. And so Mm -hmm. these protectors rally to exile these exiles or keep them at bay. So if you think about if there's an exile or a young part of you that feels like I'm unworthy, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. There may be a manager that's like, we're going to be perfectionistic to keep that feeling Mm -hmm. at bay. Right. So they're all about being perfectionists in their work life and their family life. Obviously people with perfectionism can develop issues with anxiety, right? So, you know, that perfectionistic part is keeping that exile that carries the sense of worthlessness and not good enough at bay. And when the managers aren't doing a sufficient enough job at keeping that pain at bay, so the perfectionistic part is going, 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 but that feeling of like, oh, I'm not worthy or I'm worthless is just so profound that that's when the firefighters are like, okay, like we're going to bust down the doors and we're going to knock this out. We're going to go drink a six pack of beer tonight, or we're going to, you know, 
get sleepy and just avoid and fall asleep and like just check out from the world or we're going to get angry and like punch a wall or we're going to drive really fast and road rage or something. So mm-hmm. that's kind of or start a fight with my partner and start out of the house. Yeah. Or... Any of that stuff. Right. So that's how they sort of can interact the different parts. So mostly protectors and exiles. And those are the primary Right. So the concept of self is really important here. So if you think about my example with the orchestra, right, we have a conductor, right? Mm -hmm. When I talk to folks about parts in IFS, I liken to these protectors and these exiles as different members of the orchestra, like the Mm -hmm. violins, the flutes and such. And the self is the conductor. Like that is the orienting force that parts can rally toward in a optimally functioning system where they attune to the conductor and the conductor guides them. Typically when I'm working with folks, you know, helping them develop and get in touch with self Mm -hmm. and kind of find the quality of self. So it's sort of this sense of like calmness or you're sort of in this place of like, they call it Zen. You can be sort of in this quiet, focused, sort of courageous, compassionate, curious place that allows you to look at your, parts and engage with them with like that sort of calm experience that I want to know, having compassion, having this sense of just openness. This orchestra analogy is fabulous because I almost feel like in our lives, you feel like you're in the audience just Mm -hmm. watching this orchestra doing whatever they're going to do and you have no control over it, or you're in the orchestra trying to figure out which part you're supposed to be playing at what time mm-hmm. and instead of actually being like, no, my role as a conductor. And when you hear about things, because we hear about meditation and mindfulness in different ways of trying to get out and be more of the observer and, you know, see yeah. the things yeah. that understanding that is our role. And then we have these parts and we're supposed to be the one that is actually in charge and acknowledging and leading these and seeing these and holding them all at once. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. 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 And that's the concept of this constraint model too. We help remove constraints to access self. And one of the core beliefs is that everyone has a self mm-hmm. certain folks. Sure. It may take a little bit more digging to get there, but we all have this capacity for self. And I think even, I mean, the founder of the model, Dick Schwartz, Talk, I mean, a lot of his foundational work, he worked with eating disorders as well as in families around that. And some of his clients who were suffering severely from like anorexia and such like that, like, you know, in hospitals, monitored and everything, were able to access self, right? So yeah. folks who even had the most significant challenges are able to get to that. That is the goal in therapeutic work. And that may take a good amount of time. It may be quicker or faster, but... The idea is helping clients or helping you. And as a therapist, you also need to do your own work, but like getting in touch with those qualities of self, they call them the eight C's. So we have calmness, curiosity, clarity, compassion, confidence, courage, creativity, and connectedness. When you think about what those qualities embody, right? Mm -hmm. You embody that, like that's sort of the essence of self. This sense of an entity, a being that can be an observer and what place to orient, like the conductor of this orchestra, but it's also ever present as well as like an orienting force. Our goal in the work is to help build or help clients remove the constraints to get in touch with these qualities, because it is from these qualities that we start to engage these parts, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, your example of using the drum beating is a great one because again, when clients come to us, right, like the drums have taken over the orchestra. There's not a conductor. The conductor is not present at that moment or is overtaken by the drum beat of anxiety or depression or anger. And so helping clients access, get in touch, embody, get in touch with those qualities of self, remove those constraints, then the conductor can attune to that drum and start to build that connection. So if you think about when the conductor engages with a member, right, it's very animated. The conductor locks eyes with that person and it's like fast, fast, slow, slow, like kind of guides the vibe. And so as you get more in touch with those eight C's or get a critical mass, as they say, of those qualities, then there's an amazing experience of flow where you can just feel it in the room. Like the field just sort of shifts and the client goes, oh, I see how hard that anxiety part is working. Or I really want to know more. Like, what is this trying to do for me? Right? Like, yeah. when you come from those places, it's a softer, it's an open place. And there's a feeling of flow. And it's less jagged. It's less rough. And from there, folks can get to understand and work with these parts and conceptually in this work, right? We often are dealing with protectors first. Those are the ones who often show up. I mean, certainly the exiles, you can get there too, but you know, as you work with these protectors and they, you build a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So you're like, how long have you been doing this for me? When did you start doing this for me? Why? What was going on in my life that you started to do this job? Made this, Yeah. made this necessary. Right. And as you get to know these parts so often, I like to joke with my clients. It's like these protectors, these managers just want to become employee of the month. They want their name <laughs> above the cash register, right? So it's yeah. like, finally, so, and this has been my experience, even in my own work with my parts is these protectors are like, oh, thank you. You finally see me. Like you just yell at me. You get mad at me when I come at you and say, oh, the people at that, you know, you're going to meet, they're not going to like you. They're going to think you're this, they're going to think you're that. You finally see what I've been trying to do because all this time other parts are like, oh, go away. Right. Other parts yeah. fight. That's the as fights can happen in families, right? You know, there's a part that starts saying, oh, you can't do this. You shouldn't, you know, or part that says, oh, you know, people think this, that, or the other. There's another part of you that goes, oh, shut up. Why stop talking that way, right? These these fights, right? So finally, when self attunes to these parts and these other parts are pushing them out, they're like, you're seeing me. (laughs) You're appreciating me. You're seeing me. You're letting them be employee of the month. Or, and letting them be employee of the month. I know why they can't be employee of the month with that specific behavior. <laughs> well, it's funny. If you go at it with an agenda, my experience is they just kind of push back, right? They just say, well, yeah. this is why I have to do this. Like, come on. Um, but when you work with them and you listen and you hear them and you attune to them and you start to notice them in your day to day, right? So as you build this awareness and you go through it, it's like, oh, wait, there's that that part that likes to say, be careful. They will think this, they will think that you're like, Oh, there you are. I remember what you do. And you take that one moment and notice, Mm -hmm. then that part is softens a little bit. It may start to be a little quieter. And as the part feels more attuned and listened to, then you're like, what are you protecting me from? Yeah. Yeah. And then that protector can be, or that manager can be, well, I don't want you to be absolutely embarrassed Mm -hmm. and just full of shame. And it's like, oh, okay. So you're trying to protect me from shame and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Is there a part that carries some of those burdens that you're protecting? And 
you know, again, like maybe more nuanced than that, but then you may find yourself getting in touch or they're like, there's an exile who carries stories of being burdened by shame or mm-hmm. embarrassment that has mm-hmm. galvanized this manager into its job. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a negotiation. We just don't go, oh, great. Thanks for talking about this exile. Can I go? Manager's like, wait a second. I've been protecting this exile for years. Yeah. I need to build trust. My little fun equation that I tell clients is trust is consistency in behavior over time. Mm-hmm. So as you work with these protectors and you get to that relationship, eventually they will step back and they will let you work with that exile and help attune just with all those same eight C's and you listen and you attune to this exile. And that's where burdens can start to be lifted. We can start to shift the potency of the burdens carried by that exile part. That's amazing. I'm sure that it makes like a big difference. And it sounds like this is a element of the human condition resonating with all of us in different ways. We all have these mechanisms Mm -hmm. and it just goes to extreme levels that become hard to function challenges Mm -hmm. that become detrimental to our lives. Right. And of course, like it sounds so nice when I describe it that way, but I mean, it may take weeks, months to get there. It's hard, but it's pretty powerful when you can get to those places. So these exiles, and this is not always the case, but you know, frequently they're from younger times of our lives, younger parts of us. I have little wills. (laughs) I have clients who have, you know, little versions of themselves who are like riddled with shame or riddled with fear from various things that have happened. And it becomes this sort of loving, tender relational experience, just like that protector wanted to be seen and validated and fallen in love with, as my supervisor says around, like, you see me, you gave me employee of the month that this exile is like, you can finally relate to this little vulnerable part and just like a parent tending to their child when they've had a nightmare or a kid yeah. who scuffed their knee, like, come here, I've got you. And you're like, what happened today? Like, talk to me about it. It becomes this very relationally healing experience. So it's, again, that flow state when people are in that and you watch them and they intuitively know what to do. Oftentimes with these clients, like, what needs to happen now? I need to give this one a hug. Will they accept it? Yeah. Or like, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like when clients are in that state of flow, I mean, again, like their self is in charge. I'm not doing anything. I'm kind of just, I'm a witness, right? And it's, again, it speaks to that concept of the constraint model, but yeah. Sounds very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to say too that, you know, when you're dealing with these different parts, right? I feel like I say they're really trying to help you or they need help from you, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So those exiles, the ones who are like, help me, attend to me like a child crawling into their parents' bed at night with a nightmare, right? Or these protectors, like they said, we're trying to help. Can you see what I'm trying to do? Can you see why? And when you work with these exile parts, these protectors are watching and you say, hey, was that, you know, that part that used critical statements to you, is that part been watching you tend to this one? Yeah. How are they reacting? You know, and what often or what can happen in this case is these protectors don't feel the need to be extreme, right? Because sometimes these managers are forced into a role, a favorite protector part that I feel like is common in all of us. I know I certainly have had mine. I call our inner critics, mm-hmm. our critic parts. This is anecdotal. This is not by any chance research, but I was, I've worked with my clients over the years who, with their inner critics, so often 
they're like, I'm yelling and I'm harsh. I'm tough love coaching you because no one, you're not listening to me or I have to be this extreme. And when you get to know these protectors like this, trying to understand why they do, you can ask them like, well, you know, what do you like about your job? Actually, I get tired. Like, I don't like yelling at you. I really don't. I would rather just be like a motivational cheerleader, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I've, it's funny. I, I've actually heard that from a number of clients where these critics are like, I really don't want to yell at you. I want to be a cheerleader. I don't want to bang the drums really loud. I want to bang the drums in a way that supports the yeah. rest of the orchestra, right? So as you heal these exiles, these managers or even these firefighters can be in a more moderated role, right? You might think, well, gosh, how is like using drugs or alcohol or getting blackout drunk? How does that part have a place, right? But that part's like, I just want to stop the pain. I want you to just get away from the hurt. I don't want you to feel it, right? And there are good ways to do that. There are great ways to take a break from pain or just to take a break, right? I'm going to go to this beach. I'm going to go on this hike in the mountains, or I'm going to go and listen to music in a bathtub with bubbles and candles, right? There are great ways to take breaks. There are great ways to get away. Yeah, but when you're trying to protect an exile that you're trying to hide away, nothing else will do it. No. Nothing else will do it. Like yeah. A bathtub with bubbles is not going to gonna keep that exile away. No. And so it makes sense why you need something that significant that a firefighter to mm-hmm. cut that off and, and to make sure that there's enough. Right, because those exiles are so burdened. They're just screaming in pain, right? And they're so loud. These protectors are like, I've got to double down. Like, yeah. bubble baths ain't going to cut it. It's a yeah. six-pack of beer. Or, you know. Know, a liter of vodka or something. So as we hopefully can help those exiles unburden, there's a whole process with that where you witness them and you help them release these burdens in this relational way, right? Um, mm-hmm. That hopefully, again, and what can happen is these managers can soften, right? Critics become cheerleaders or parts that want to fall asleep, just find other ways to take breaks or perfectionistic parts learn how to motivate us to a certain point and then say, okay, that's good enough. Right. So, you know, other ways to serve the purpose. Right. Once they realize what purpose they're trying to serve, like what they're trying to do, there's other ways to do it. Yeah. That's amazing. And it makes sense why this has really taken off. Cause how long have you been connected to this? I mean, it's been around, gosh, I wish I could give the time, but I know it's been around since the nineties and have to quote me on that. But, um, I was trained in 2018, so it went four years. Um, wow. But I feel like it's really changed the way I interact with clients, with the way I think about quote unquote mental health diagnoses, right? Yeah. The medicalization of it all. And it's really just one of the models that's completely shifted the way I think about clinical therapy. Everyone mm-hmm. I know who's done stuff with it, it's really yeah. impacted them and they've been very yeah. passionate about it and the way they see things. And I think it is this desire to be like, oh my gosh, things make sense now instead of having to pathologize everything and everything being an issue of like, oh my gosh, like things make sense. And there's a way that I can accept and see myself in a way that's really healthy and really mm-hmm. makes sense. Everybody makes sense. Everyone has those parts. Yeah. And how strong those protectors get and how urgent their responses mm-hmm. get and how dangerous the responses get to be able to function and do the things in life you want to do and how debilitating they get so you can function is what the question becomes. 
And so that's why it's amazing to have this way of everyone be able to look at that spectrum and how they can support themselves. Yeah. So with IFS, I know there's a wait list to even be trained in it. Yeah. And probably it's hard <laughs> to get supports in it, but there's like a website and stuff so people can look. Yeah, yeah. The IFS Institute, they just Google IFS Institute. That is their main page. They have all sorts of resources, articles, videos. The original founder, Dr. Dick Schwartz, has a number of videos of him practicing the model and showing him working with protectors and exiles and helping clients get in touch with self. And certainly trainings for therapists. There's also a movement to train folks who are not therapists, too. And there are, I was at a conference in IFS uh, back in 2019, and they were talking about this model they've been bringing to China, and they've been working on training just folks who are interested in helping, right? Like lay yeah. folks, non-professionals and helping people. And it's r- rigorous. It's a lot of work on yourself. I mean, a big part of IFS is also as a therapist doing your own work because yeah. if you're not in a place of curiosity, compassion, and you're operating from a part, right? Yeah. You're going to impact the client's ability to get in touch with those things, right? You know, it's great that the movement in this is trying to say, look, there's, there's wait lists, there's all this, but we want to give more people access to this. I can't speak comprehensively to that, what they're yeah. doing, but I know what's going on. I know people who are dietitians or nutritionists or physical therapists who are getting trained in this because not only, as you very well know, parts don't just show up as anxiety or depression or anger or what have you. They can show up in really big physical symptoms, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we know that mind body so interconnected, yeah. right? Yeah. So people are like, I have a pain in my shoulder that will not go away and manipulating it through physical therapy in and of itself does not stop it. We get to know the part that is using the pain in the shoulder or the part that's in there. Let's get to know that pain. Let's go toward it. Right. Wow. And let's get curious. So again, therapists who have that sort of construct. Mm. It's not just bone broken, bone fixed, muscle loosened, muscle tightened, right? It's not so black and white. Um, parts may use the body to signal stuff, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, I'm girding you against danger or I'm girding you against threat, right? So the part tightens. And anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent, but again, just this concept of more folks beyond just therapists and psychologists getting trained is something that the IFS Institute is working towards. And like I said, I I wish I could speak more to what they're doing in China. It's been a while since I've looked at what they're doing, but again, it's a comprehensive way of giving this to folks so that they can just get poor people healed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. And again, my passion for folks listening, my passion is in early childhood mental health. And as you're saying this, we always look at kids and looked at the what's behind the behavior is like the whole thing with kids. And so like me going like, Hmm, and thinking of a foster mom I know has a child that's, you know, spreading poop across the walls after visits with mom and me thinking about, you know, the protector parts and how those things could go in with working with young kids even and like how it all integrates. I love how things integrate. So yes, it has me thinking about all those things. Yeah. And there's, there's whole trainings on working with children, right? Little kids, middle, middle childhood teenagers, right? There's all, and again, I can't speak to that because I don't work with that population. I work with adults, but yeah. There's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. I have too much on my plate to get too excited <laughs> and interested in that, but I love it. Yeah. Is there any like books that you've read around it that you would recommend or that you can think um, of? Especially for somebody who's that's not super. Okay. Or... So there's a book called self therapy 
Mm-hmm. I know that sounds kind of generic. And I believe the author's name is Jay Early. J-A-Y-E-A-R-L-E-Y. And what I like about this book is it self-guided IFS. Really? Yeah. Um, and I think it's a, I recommend it to most of my clients. So who are like eager to learn more, it helps you sort of, it introduces them to the language, introduces them to the parts and the names and sort of carries them through some experiential exercises that kind of whets the appetite or gives them a chance to practice. Cause mm-hmm. again, it's the idea of it is you do it in sessions with clients, but hopefully on their own, right. They're like walking through their day and like, Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Oh, wait. I just heard that voice that said that to me. I wonder what that's about, right? Mm-hmm. So teaching clients to do their own parts work, right? Yeah. Empowering them to do the work on their own. That's amazing. That's, yeah. I love that you I should have known you would have a book, but I love that you have a book. <laughs> and I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can get a link to it in the notes so they can definitely find that book and be able to access it. And there's another one too, because there is IFS therapy for couples, right? Like working with really? couples. Yeah. IFIO, it's called You Are the One You've Been Waiting For. Oh, it helps clients learn towards tending to their own parts and not expecting their partner to be the primary source of healing those parts. Right. Ooh. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that we don't need partners and they can't help us. Right. But yeah, but that concept of recognizing that you can't expect that from another human or else you're going to be disappointed in them and in yourself and the relationship's going to be challenged by it or it becomes the primary source right in the book they use this example called the magic kitchen so this is not an original thing this is what i read where this idea that if you have a kitchen where you make standard meals like you have good home-cooked meals right like your parts have a place that they can always eat at right they Mm -hmm. always have a place to go and when you have a partner like oh there's a different cuisine down the street wow i can enjoy thai food or i can enjoy you know um Southern home cooking, or I can enjoy seafood, right? But if that kitchen is closed, they aren't going to starve, right? They can go back home and they have meatloaf and potatoes or whatever. They have that primary source where you can attend to your own parts. Nice. So yeah, it's, you're the one you've been waiting for. I'll put it Mm -hmm. in the show notes as well. Great. I love it. I love resources. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This has been very valuable. Thank you so much. I think it's been great for our listeners to hear more about internal family systems and how it's a beneficial theory and way of looking at things and valuable to look more into getting resources around it if it is intriguing to them. Mm-hmm. So along these lines, we always talk about self-care yeah. in our episodes. So we have our little self-care spotlight. So what do you do for self-care, Will? Well, I do a variety of things for self-care. So I really love lifting weights. So I lift weights. I'm an aficionado of CrossFit. What can I say? So I go and move heavy weights. I um, learn how to practice technical lifts because it's really enjoyable. I will go to a mountain and go hiking. I'll go for a walk in the woods. I'll go for a swim in a lake. Those are like, yeah, anything in nature, mm-hmm. just put me in nature in one shape, way, shape, or form. Even just like standing in a park, that works. That so works. those are my main places for self-care. So you love the outdoors and you love being outside. So it's really nourishing and giving back to you then to be doing those things. Yes, that is my number one go-to. And every time it works, I've learned that one of my favorite things to do, I recently started doing was going camping by myself. Oh, nice. So I will go on a Saturday or Friday and I'll, 
I'll give my partner like the information where I'm at. So people know where I am, but then I disappear for two days and I'm on my own in the woods and I'm hiking by myself. I'm cooking meals by myself. I'm sitting by the fire by myself. And it's a really good chance for me just to be quiet and be in nature, you know, a check-in with my own parts, (laughs) spend time with my parts in that sort of uninterrupted, no stimulus place. So. That's yeah. so important. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And as you may know, because he might have listened to the show before, I don't know, but maybe. as you may know, maybe, <laughs> I also give all of my guests a copy of one of the Color of Grit coloring books as yes. to add to their self-care repertoire. Yes. So would you enjoy a copy of the Color of Grit's Vintage Mermaid and Magnificent Ocean, or You've Got This, which is a collection of quotes that you get to color in? Which would you prefer? I think I'm going to go with the quotes. Wonderful. We will make sure to get you a copy of that. Yes. Thank you. And so then Mm -hmm. the other thing that we do at the end of our episode, Mm -hmm. which we call kind of grit with, is giving a takeaway for everyone is something Mm -hmm. they can walk away from this episode and be able to kind of apply and take forward. So what would be an exercise or something folks can take away from this that they can do? Yeah. I'll pull out my little phrase I love to use a lot. Get curious, not furious. So when you're going through your day and you have this experience, right? Like you get flooded with anxiety or you get like this critical voice saying, oh, you're this, you're that. I invite you instead of saying, oh, oh, I hate when I think that way or oh, I hate when I get anxious. I invite you to instead getting furious at that, get curious. So take a moment. It may take a little bit of a moment because you may be having, you may feel overtaken, but as soon as you get a little space from that, say, huh, I wonder what that was about. Start to get curious about the part of you that was trying to tell you something that was trying to help you probably in some way, although it feels a little dubious at the moment. Yes. And I love the term protector. So if you're stuck and like, why did I get like that? How was that trying to protect me in some way? Like how was that helpful in some way that I would have that strong of a reaction to that? Like, how could that be helpful? Yeah. Right. Like I said, get curious, not furious. It could be a protector. It could be an exile crying out for attention or help, right? Uh-huh. Like a little one saying, I feel so worthless, yeah. right? So, yeah, so get curious about it. Don't push it away. Don't get judgmental. Don't get critical. Try to be curious. Now, if you are judgmental or critical, that is another part, and that is okay. <laughs> and if, you, if you cannot find spaciousness to not, to not be critical, then get curious about your judgmental part. Get curious about the critical part of you that wants to just get rid of that other one. It's being a little meta, I guess. Yes. yes, Another setback. Another setback from that. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll go with for the next two solid days. So whenever you're looking at this, do a mental note for the next two solid days to kind of evaluate for yourself of each time that you start to respond to something and then check in with yourself in two days and say, have I been doing that for the last two days? So whenever you're listening to this, do a mental marker of two days from now to see if you've managed to actually remember to stop and be curious when those things happen and give yourself another marker to try and stop and be curious, not furious. Curious, not furious. I like it. I very much like it. And we'll have in the show notes, those books so that you can check those out. And so people want to be able to connect with you. Mm -hmm. I know that you are in private practice and aren't open to clients right now because you're very full, right. but if people do want to connect with you, what is the way that they can connect with you? Your website is the best Sure. My guess is my website, which is willhalpen.com. 
I am a therapist. I am practicing in Massachusetts and Connecticut. So that does limit me too. And that's probably the best way to find me. So people can look on your website, willhelpin.com, mm-hmm. and we'll have that in the notes as well. And that's a way to reach out to you. The best place we'll also have in the show notes, the IFS website. It's a great place to find more information about them and their resources and their nationwide. Yeah. And so international. International. So mm-hmm. there should be resources. We mentioned China. So there should be resources wherever you are listening to this to possibly look into those resources through that website. So it's probably, if you're really curious, yeah. the best place for you guys to dig in and learn more about that. I highly encourage that. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been so valuable. I really value your time and I appreciate you chatting with us about this. It's been such a joy chatting with you, Sean, as always. As always. I'm very fortunate <laughs> like that. Wonderful. And for all of you listening, thank you so much for being here today. Just a reminder, your self-care is very important. And we do have samples of those coloring pages. You can grab them off of our website, thegritshow.com. Before I let you go, one last reminder. You are the only one of you that this world has got. And that means something.